Appreciated that good song. Amen. Thankful not of earth or hell can harm me. For we're sheltered safely within the arms of God. Well, I appreciate the kind words about this morning's message. My wife said to me, she said, you're going to get yourself in trouble. They're going to think you're a weirdo. And I figure if you don't know that by now, <laughs> there's not much I can do to make you think I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I should have you thoroughly convinced. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate that. I'm going to expect several of those throughout the rest of the message. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians, Paul's epistle to his first epistle to uh, the Thessalonians. And uh, we started this uh, book uh, last week. And, uh, I, you know, it is, these aren't very big, these aren't very long. It won't take us long to get through them, right? We got through a whole, what, three verses last time. I have been hearing much complaining about uh, last week and this week, my short preaching, and, and uh, people are asking if I would please preach an hour and a half to two hours. And no, I haven't had any of that. Can you believe it? No one has said, man, you're just preaching too short lately. But anyhow, I don't know tonight if we'll be short-winded or long-winded, uh, but hopefully... Uh, Hopefully we'll have more than wind. Some of you missed that one, but uh, it's all right. Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians. Please uh, stand with me for the reading of God's words, those who can do so conveniently. And uh, we're going to pick up our reading in verse 4. Verse 4. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us, and the Lord, having received the word and much affliction with the joy of the Holy Ghost, so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, or however you say that. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith to God's word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the encouragement of the songs that we've heard tonight. Thankful for the Holy Spirit. Thankful, Lord, that you walk with us and you shield us. And we are dependent upon you. So we ask that you'd help us one more time. That we might rightly divide the word of truth. That you'd receive all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
two guys were walking together down the street and uh, one of the stores had a sign in, up in it. I've never seen this sign, but it said, no help wanted. <laughs> and uh, the one guy looked over at his buddy and said, you know what, you should apply, you'd be perfect for that. <laughs> You ever know somebody who is as lazy as the day is long? Oh, I tell you, there's, it can get real frustrating sometimes. There was a supervisor who had 10 workers that, he, that were just, he just couldn't hardly get any work for them, and so he thought he'd trick them into to getting some work out of them. And so he said to the, the, the 10 guys, he had them there, he says, I've got a, the perfect job for the laziest person. Which one of you is it? And nine of them raised their hands. Foreman looked over and he said to the, to the guy who didn't raise his hand, why didn't you raise your hand? He goes, wasn't worth the trouble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing like a lazy person, is there? Just about drives you crazy, unless you're a lazy person too. Busyness is, is something that, that perhaps we have too much of, but certainly laziness is, can be a problem too. And one of the things that, that I see here in this passage is Paul has praised the church at Thessalonica for not being lazy Christians. I told you last week that this church is an example church. This is a church that, that is set up as, as one that we should follow, that we should be more like, unlike the church at Corinth, which had all sorts of issues and all sorts of problems. And so this evening, by the help of the Lord, I'd like us to reflect on, on just a few thoughts that Paul had for the church at Thessalonica. He said, the first thing that we ought to know and realize is that we have been chosen. We have been chosen. It's an interesting thing to put your application into a place and wait for the phone call, isn't it? And you, get, you finally get the phone call, they finally accept your application, they, they want an interview. And you go in and they ask some of the craziest questions. Like, what is your greatest weakness? We just met. I don't want to tell you, I want you to hire me. What's, you know, what, what's your greatest accomplishment? I don't want to tell them getting out of bed this morning. <laughs> You know, they asked all sorts of questions. In fact, we had a, a Sister Lume last year had, had an opportunity for some of the upperclassmen to go through a mock interview process. Excellent training, excellent training. She asked me if I'd be the interviewer. And I was like, all right. I, liked, I got to pick the questions. So, I, of course, I asked all the regular questions you're supposed to ask, and then I finished it up with... Hmm, I need a victim. Alex, you are smart. I can pick on you. My question was, what's 25 times 25? <laughs> it's hard when you're on the spot, isn't it? It's a good question, isn't it? And it's hard when you're on the spot, even if you know the answer. I know some of you here, that you just already know the answer because I didn't pick on you. Amy's really hoping I'll pick on her. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> It's 625. 
But the reason that I wanted to know uh, why I asked that question was not because I wanted the answer 625. I was asking them the question because I wanted to see how they handle pressure. Did they, some of them, some of the students, they would, there was a piece of paper and a pen, and they would start scribbling around and trying to do the math problem. Others happened to notice that I had laid a calculator on the table and asked permission to use it. I wanted to see, did they use the tools available to them? Were they, some of them, were, actually one I believe was able to do the, do the math in their head. Some tried to do it on paper and still got it way wrong. But it wasn't about right or wrong. It was about, for me, I wanted to see the process. And I wanted them to experience when they go into the interview and they're asked questions, they don't know the answer, that I wanted them to look back at that experience and know that they can get through it. But for you and for me, we didn't, we didn't put our application in to be saved. We didn't, we didn't go through the interview process. Can you imagine the interview process? What do you have to bring me? Well, I've got a bunch of broken promises. I've got, uh, I've got lies, and I've got hatred, and I've got uh, my addictions, and I've, I've got uh, unforgiveness, and... I mean, this is not going well. Aren't you thankful we didn't have to interview? What talents do you bring to the table? Well, <laughs> I mean, some of you can at least sing. I didn't even have that going for me. I mean, I don't have any, I don't know. I don't have any talents. I can talk. Some of you wish I'd quit. Yeah. Both of you are going to be in big trouble. <laughs> Remember as young people and picking teams, and if you weren't the captain and you were the one waiting to be picked, and I remember being, I remember especially at camp time, we, like, we played a lot of volleyball, and I remember when I was the young one, and waiting, and waiting, and waiting. And then finally, finally, you can have them. <laughs> it's not a great feeling when you're not picked. But as I got older and more skilled, often I was the first or second one picked to play on the volleyball team. And I liked being first. I liked it. I liked being picked. And I want you to know tonight that the Lord has picked you for salvation. And you weren't one that he stuck with. You know, I used to think that when I, uh, early in my Christian walk, I thought that God was just stuck with me because Certainly, I had nothing to offer him, but since he died for the whole world, he, he, just, he just got stuck with me. And I felt that way for the longest time in my, early in my Christian walk until I realized that God didn't get stuck with me. He picked me. And if you might feel that way tonight, and if you do, I want you to know you didn't just get 
broad hand because God loves the whole world. He didn't, he didn't just get stuck with you because, you know, uh, you asked him and uh, those were the rules and so he had to pick you. No, he chose you from the foundations of this world. He knew you before you were born. He knew the sins that you would commit. He knew the path that you would take. He'd know the disappointments. He'd know the, he'd know the broken promises and all those things that came with it. And he picked you anyways. And even if you're not saved here tonight, I want you to know God still picked you. Now you can choose either to join his team or to walk away. I believe it was early, maybe the first or second game of the, of the football season this year. The Buffalo Bills were doing terribly. And at halftime, one of the players decided that he was not going to play for a team this bad and walked off on his team at halftime. But I want you to know, you can do that to the Lord. And when you're ready to get back on his team, he'll still let you back. Because he's picked you. And he believes in you. And he wants you for a trophy of grace. And the church at Thessalonica, they were chosen by God, for God. And you here this evening were chosen by God and for God. I think it's an important message that we remember. We don't have to twist God's arm to save us. And we don't have to beg and to plead and weep and bawl and, and worry about losing out without realizing it. Or, or you know, we go, we go to bed saved and we wake up and we don't feel anything and oh, we must have lost it. It's not like your keys. I can lose my keys and just that fast. I can have them in my hand one moment and, and about five minutes, two minutes later, I can say, who took my keys? They didn't take them. I put them down somewhere and I had no idea what I did with them. But you can't do that with salvation. God picked us to be on his side. Picked us to be on his side. And then Paul said of the church at Thessalonica that you are examples. You are models. And isn't that encouraging that you get to be a model? It's your dream job, isn't it? You know, over there in Hollywood and, and Nashville and some of these other places and uh, uh, athletes, and uh, you know, they all want to... Uh, set themselves up as people to follow. In fact, Twitter has is created a new job. I didn't even know that this existed. And it's a new thing. It's called an influencer. And here's how you become an influencer. Basically, you dress up in, in, in hardly any clothes and you post pictures on there. You get a bunch of followers. And then you convince uh, resorts in these kind of places to, to send you there for free. You can take pictures there and, and people will go to that resort because half-dressed people go there. It's like, really? That's a job? And the sad thing is, is they can make a living off that. Better than what you and I are making. 
How about in this past election? How many, how many uh, famous people told you how to vote? What was uh, Taylor Swift broke her? It was big news. She broke her political silence and got behind whoever it was that she was excited about. Interesting thing, that person she endorsed lost anyways. But she thought she was an influencer. And she is an influencer. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, that these athletes and these, these uh, movie stars and, and musicians, I'm not suggesting that they're not influencers. But what I want us to understand is that we may not have the Twitter followers and we may not have the fans and we may not be able to fill a stadium with our athletic ability or our singing ability, but we are influencers. And there are people that are going to be affected by the choices that we make. We are modeling Christ to others. In fact, Paul says that you have been such an example for others that when we go around, people say, oh yeah, we know about uh, who you are. The church at Thessalonica, they're examples of this. Wouldn't it be an incredible thing if whenever anybody talked about Christianity, they would say, you know that, that holiness church? That holiness church, they are examples of what you're talking about. When, when they, people talk about love, a church that's loving and, and, and uh, not judgmental and, and, and they're kind and, and, and they're gentle and they're encouraging and they're helpful, are we the first that comes to mind? We're influencers. We're influencers. We are going to model for our community and for our families and for our friends and our co-workers. We are modeling what it means to be a Christian. If we have taken that, that title, if people know that we profess Christianity, we are modeling for them what Christianity is. And if it's a bad example... It doesn't matter. They still, they'll still think that's what Christianity must be. As I was thinking about this, I, I asked myself a sobering question. I'll ask it to you. If a person didn't have a Bible and they only had your life to follow, could they make it to heaven? If they didn't have God's word, they couldn't read God's word. If if they couldn't they didn't listen to to Christian radio preachers or the internet or whatever it might be, all they had for an example of what it means to be a Christian. Do you live your life in such a way that you would influence them all the way into glory? And for those of us that are parents, that's not too far off from reality. It's not too far off from reality. Oh, yes, they can read God's Word, and yes, they have, they have, they have the ability to hear great preaching on the Internet or on the radio or wherever, but 
Folks, whether, people, whether our children, whether those our grandchildren, those that we have an influence over, choose this way or not, can they find their way home by the steps that we trod before them? Or would they get lost along the way? I remember Dennis was just a little squirt. Probably, I don't even know if he was two yet. And uh, I was playing a computer game, a video game of some sort. I don't remember what, what it was. But you know, it said some words on there that I didn't want Dennis picking up. He was learning how to speak. And it, I never really noticed those words were on there before. But I have, a, have him sitting on my lap, and, and I hear those words, and I'm like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't want Dennis to say that word. I don't say that word. I don't want him to say that word. And you know, uh, I, you know, I kept playing it a little bit, and you know, some other words came on. And I shut that off, and I said, you know what? I said to Trish, I said, you know, it's not worth it. For the fun of this game, as much as I enjoy this game, it's not worth it to have it influence my child. Was it sin for me to play that game? I don't think it necessarily was. I don't even remember if it was a swear word. I don't, I don't think that it was. I just remember that there was something that happened in my heart that said, I don't want this to influence my child. He's two years old and he's, follow, he's saying words that he hears. And I don't want him to say that word. And I just don't want that word spoken in our house. And I didn't play that game anymore. Because there was a little life who was following really close behind. And maybe your children are grown. Maybe they don't live at home anymore. And maybe you don't have to be that careful. But I'm concerned that the world only thinks of Christians as judgmental and unloving. I'm concerned that we, we are known for what we stand against and not what we stand for. I'm looking forward to the book that the young adult class is, is reading in, in, in class. And, and yet, just by the titles of the chapters, I'm just a, hoping that the author doesn't just talk about the things we're against, but I hope he talks about the things that we're for. So we take our stands against a, a world that's going crazy and a world that's go, becoming more and more lost. I don't want them to just look at us as strange and weird. I want them to look at us and say, we've got to have what they have. The world screams for peace, but they live it. The world says free love, but they express it. The world clamors for a leader, but they follow their leader unfailingly. Oh, that God would help us to be examples to those around us, like the church of Thessalonica was. 
And finally, Paul said that they had the message of the gospel. They were out proclaiming the truth that Jesus Christ saves and sanctifies and he was coming back. What's your message? What's your message? If I would go on your Facebook wall and, and I'd go through, would I, would I be more uh, inclined to believe that, that a certain political uh, party was your message? Or Jesus? And if you don't have Facebook, you just think about what you say and how you live. But what if we went down through your wall and, and your message would be on hunting and gun rights? Or shopping and good deals. What's your message? What's your message? It's easy to proclaim a message without even realizing we're doing it. We can, we can get so excited about things... <laughs> It is so easy to get excited about things. Is your message, go Jayhawks? I hope not. Not that you can't say go Jayhawks on occasion. But I hope that's not your message. It's not wrong to follow that or to be excited about your team. It's not, it's not wrong to go hunting or shopping or any of those things or crafting or whatever it is that you love. But where it becomes wrong is when we begin to love it more than we love God and when it begins to fill our mind and it, becomes, uh, it fills our time and it fills our words, so it drowns out the message of the gospel. And that's when it becomes an idol to us. It's hard for me to preach on this because I think that in the past, preachers have typically have just said, you can't have it. You can't root for your Jayhawks. You can't root for K-State or whatever it is that you like. You can't go hunting or you can't go uh, crafting or whatever it is that, that people have liked. It seems like some in the past have just preached against anything enjoyable. And I don't, that's not my message tonight. That's not what I'm trying to tell you at all tonight. I think that that the things that we uh, enjoy are important to our spiritual welfare, even if they're not necessarily spiritual, so long as they're kept in their place. Now, why do I say that? Because I believe one of the greatest hindrances to spiritual growth is a lack of morale. And people get so caught up in working all the time and just doing and doing and doing and everything's got to fit within the, this tiny little narrow definition of spiritual that what happens is, is there robs us of our joy. 
And I don't believe for a moment that God ever intended us to get to the place where we are wearing all black and white and just using these and thous and, and you can't have any fun and you can't ever go out and shoot hoops and you can't ever go have fun and you can't, ladies can't get together and go shopping. I don't believe that's what God ever intended for us. When he made the Garden of Eden, it was a place of beauty and glory and it was a place that Adam and Eve wanted to be. I believe God cares about the morality of his, uh, not just the morality, but the morale. In fact, it's amazing to me how close those words are. Because when our morale goes down, I think our morality goes out too. Too often we've said to young people, no, 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 you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. And finally the young people will say to us, what can we do? Well, you can go to church, you can go to revival, you can work. Well, who wants to be a Christian if that's what it is? I mean, don't we sing, we are happy people, praise the Lord? Now, I know it goes on and says that we have uh, uh, God's word and, and, and so forth. But folks, we're happy not just because of what the Lord has done for us, but we're happy because the Lord has allowed us some freedom to enjoy what he's blessed us with. Well, I'm on thin ice. I, I told you I was a weirdo. <laughs> I know this isn't, I know this isn't old-fashioned holiness preaching where we just, you know, get out our Bible and start pounding everything's wrong. If you like it, it's wrong. I know that isn't, that isn't this tonight. What I'm trying to help us understand is that if all things, everything must be in moderation. And I'm going to say this. Oh boy. Hold on. Don't throw anything at me. I, I might need to move a little further back. Too close. Brother Gary might throw, throw a songbook at me. We can get to the place where church stuff becomes out of moderation. We can get to the place where all our days and all our hours are focused and wrapped up in church stuff that we've leaked out in our joy. And I appreciate those that when the doors are open are here. I appreciate that. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Chase, is this recorded? <laughs> oh, no. There might be times on a Wednesday night the best thing you can do, the most spiritual thing you can do is stay home. Can you believe a preacher said that? I think you ought to be here on both services on Sunday unless you've got a physical problem or special situation. But I think for the... I think for the for the most part, you should be here on Sunday. But there are times on a Wednesday you've had, you've worn out, your family's worn out, and the best thing you can do is stay home, have some family time, and get to bed early. 
say that's not that doesn't that doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like what a preacher ought to say and that doesn't sound like what Paul's trying to say. Paul's trying to tell us that we don't have idols and we can make an idol of church attendance because we've checked it off the list. We've we've been here. I'm here. I'm falling asleep. And I appreciate those that come and they fall asleep anyways. I I appreciate you coming. Some weeks, I, it's, it's really nice. I only have two or three to preach to. If I preach bad those weeks, I'm in good shape. You all ain't sleeping tonight because a preacher's gotten controversial. <laughs> I don't mean to be controversial. I, folks, we have got to get away from a work salvation. And that's where we have crept into in our past. Is it's about checking off the list of all these duties that we have. Folks, I want my, ch- my children have responsibilities in the home, but I don't want them just to do it out of duty. I want them to do it because they're a part of the family, they're a part of the team, because they love each other and they want to see the, the family do well. I don't want them to just do it because it's their job. If it comes to that, fine, we'll make it that. But I want my children to want to participate in the family responsibilities. And I believe that's what God wants from us. I don't think he wants us to say, oh, it's, it's Wednesday night and I guess I got to drag myself to church. Now, sometimes you need to drag yourself to church. Sometimes you need to do that. And I'll be honest, there's a lot of Sunday mornings that I, the alarm goes off and I say, oh, I don't want to look at those people this morning because some of them throw songbooks. No, that's not what I say. I say, oh, I don't know that I feel like preaching this morning. And man, I, Lord, this sermon I got is a pretty bad dud. I hope you do something with it, because if, if you don't, it's going to be pretty embarrassing for me. And there are times that I come to church because it's, it's I need to be here. Maybe you say it's my job, but Even if it wasn't my job, I'd still be there. But what I'm trying to help us to understand is is we've got to make sure that our message, our message, what is our message? Our message is holiness unto the Lord. That's our message, is it not? We have it on our pulpit. Holiness unto the Lord. That means that we should be holy in the workplace. It means we're holy in the home. It means we're holy on the ball field or at school. It means that we're holy at camp. It means we're holy at church. It means we're holy when we're rooting for the Jayhawks, and I'll never do that. But while you're rooting for the Jayhawks or whoever it is that you're rooting for, that we live holiness under the Lord. That's our message. It isn't be miserable. Holiness under the Lord is our watchword and song. Song, folks. Song is something that you do when you're happy, usually, unless you're singing the blues. And I don't know any holiness blues classics. I mean, can you imagine? On the harmonica, I am so holy, but it's miserable. I am so holy, but I hate it. 
I am so holy, but I can't have any fun. I am so holy, but I wish I weren't. I mean, could you imagine if you were singing the holiness blues? It doesn't even make sense. You laugh at it. But that's not how we act. If some, I mean, you've got people who think they're the fun police. Do you know, it wasn't us, Brother Alex, but you know there's, there's, there's a, a self-proclaimed, he doesn't call himself the fun police, but that's what he is. But he blasted a church for having an all-night lock-in. Can you believe it? And he put it out in his paper and he wanted everyone to know that that proclaimed holiness church had an, an all-night lock-in and we all know that after midnight all children turn into wicked, horrible beasts. And they cannot resist temptation after midnight. And any church that ha have kids do anything after midnight is just not holy because the Satan's temptation, that's where, I mean, Satan gets all powerful and God goes to sleep after midnight. Now, that's obviously not what he said, but that's what it sounds like. Self-proclaimed fun police. Folks, our message is holiness unto the Lord. It's our watch, word, and song. Folks, I'll be honest with you. I don't, want, I don't want the community, when they think about us, to think about our ladies having dresses on and not cut hair. I don't want that to be the first thought in their mind. I don't want it to be that we're the, the church that has church on Sunday nights and Wednesday night. I don't want to be known for those things. I want them to know that we are people who love with a perfect love that God has changed our direction and we will do whatever we can to help you to get holy too. Well, I was wishing there would be a couple more amens, guys. Hello. <laughs> That's our message. It isn't that we don't have fun. It isn't that we want to be miserable. It isn't that we have a bunch of rules and regulations. And I value our standards. I've said that so many times. I feel like I have to when I preach like this because I think that the temptation, I know what Satan's going to say to some of you, he's just preaching against all our standards. I'm not preaching against our standards. I have standards that are stricter than some of your standards. But my standard isn't what's important. And your standard isn't what's the, is, the, is the going to see people get saved. It's our message. It's our message. And until we get to the idea that holiness isn't dress and it isn't, it isn't standards, but holiness is perfect love, and until we get it through our very difficult to, to get through heads, including my own, that if I seek for anything more but love, I seek for the wrong thing. Until I get to that place where all that matters is love and that I can speak the truth in love. Until we get to that place where we are, that's our message and that's what people know us about. Folks, we've got to work on the message. Because that's what we've chosen as our message. That's what we put on our pulpit. That's what we put on our sign is holiness. 
And if we're going to proclaim that as a word, you know what the world doesn't know what that means. A lot of them think that means Pentecostal. They don't know what that means. But we get to proclaim the message. And we get to inform them. I told, started by talking about people who are lazy as the day is long. You know, the church at Thessalonica, they weren't lazy. They understood that they were chosen. And they went to work at being examples and spreading the message. You know, when a piano needs moved, there's three kinds of workers. There's the guy that gets behind and pushes. There's the guy that gets in the front and he, begin, he guides and pulls. And then there's the third guy who gets the bench. Which one is us? Which one is us? Are we going to get behind the, 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 the load? Are we going to push for all that we can and try to help? We're going to get in the front and pull and guide and try to, to, to rightly get us in the direction that we need to go? Are we going to grab the bench and complain about what the other two guys are doing? Because they're not doing it the way you think it should be done. Folks, I want to carry the load. I want to be a church like the church at Thessalonica that God can point to as an example for other churches to follow. Not because I'm your pastor, but because God has done a great work in us. And because we haven't been lazy about the things that really, truly matter. And we focused on the things that mattered. And we've let the things that not, didn't matter, we've let those things go to the side. We've made the main thing the main thing. Well, if I didn't make you convinced I was weirdo this morning, I hope I did it tonight. I love you. But we've got, we've got to be a people of the book. And if we're going to be a people that is going to have Blessing of the Lord on us. We're going to have to follow the book. We are chosen to be examples and to spread the message of scriptural holiness to a world that needs it. Let's stand together. Amen. Dean, would you dismiss us in prayer?